Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. My guest today has been working as a career coach for the past six years. She has always been interested in psychology and the workings of the mind, and after working as an air hostess for eight years, decided to make a career change and enter the world of coaching. Now with her company, Strategic Discovery, she aims to support others in finding their inner peace, guiding them to take the next step in their careers, and moving the emotional blocks that may be holding them back. She also has a podcast called Breaking the Glamour, and her vision is to speak with industry experts and provide an insight into the reality of various jobs and industries. During this week's episode, we discuss her journey to finding inner peace. She shares with us her knowledge and experience working as a career coach, and we talk about the importance of embracing our emotions in order to move forward in our lives and careers. Her experience has taught her that in order to grow, we need to overcome our fears and step out of our comfort zone. She has been able to successfully grow her coaching business as a result of getting a deeper understanding of herself. And the message she wanted to share is that at the end of the day, we're all human beings and there is nothing wrong with truly feeling our emotions. Please welcome to the show, the amazing Miss Anna Karaja. Thank you so much for having me today. It's a pleasure to have you. I'm really excited to speak to you. So Anna, me and you met through LinkedIn and I took a look at the work you do that you're uh, executive coach and you help people, you know, in so many different areas uh, of business and how to find jobs and how to think about, you know, the future, especially now with how things are going um, with COVID and so on. I thought it'd be really interesting to speak to someone who is like a career coach and how you help, how you've been helping people. But before we dive into all of that, why don't you just give all of us a little bit of background about yourself and we'll take it from there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Ah, so everybody has a long story. I will do my best to keep it short. <laughs> <laughs> we want to hear it. We want to hear it. So I was fascinated by psychology, even though at, at school I studied a lot of math and physics and chemistry and logic. Those were like my initial passions. But then during ninth or 10th grade or so, I was fascinated by psychology because I could see how that could apply to, to me, understanding myself, because I think most of people going to psychology, they do this because they're selfish, right? They want to learn more about themselves and it makes totally sense. And while I was at university, I kind of had a change of heart with pursuing this as a full-time therapist. I'm from Romania, so back then, and perhaps even now, even though things have changed a bit, uh, going to a therapist is not seen so, you know, like mainstream. So at that time I was thinking, well, if I want to earn some money at least uh, or sustain my living, have some money to pay my bills, right? Let me find the job that makes sense for me now. I'm young, let's see what's out there. And then I had a crazy, like crazy idea. For me at that time, it was crazy to, to become a cabin crew, a flight attendant. And I never dreamt I would do that. Um, so it started with a, an idea. My mom was there and seeing me like smile, like, you know, I was like, what are you thinking about? I'm gonna become a cabin crew. And she took me very seriously. So she said, okay, go for it, which I did. And uh, I flew for about eight years in total. While I was flying, I was thinking, well, it's not, I couldn't sustain, uh, sustain that career for perhaps until I uh, will retire. That's where I started thinking, is there another career path for me? And I started looking into business. One thing led to another. I heard about coaching. And for me, it made sense. It, it brought me back to my university times. And... Um, 
yeah, I saw that it would be a possible career for me. And I took the steps, of course, training and practicing to, to open up my, my coaching boutique. And uh, here we are six years later. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. It's uh, really interesting that you were you loved psychology and that's what you wanted to do. But then you made a switch and it kind of came back full circle. And here you are using all the stuff you that you're passionate about to like help people and do coaching as well. So that's pretty cool. Um, so when it comes to coaching, like what was, what was the, what's your motivation as a coach? What, how do you like, did it take you time to learn about to focusing on a specific area? How did you find like that niche as a coach? By trial and error, I've changed my approach to coaching, uh, based on what the marketing was a bunch of times and trying one thing, seeing if it's working, if there's some traction, if I can create clients. Most of the times didn't work out until I've understood how, of course, uh, doing a lot of practice, you hone your skill. And then while you're doing that, you become more confident and you can take a client even in 30 minutes and help them create that action action step at the end because what's important with coaching we're action focused um it's a nice conversation to have it can be very deep but it's important to have an action steps right otherwise it's just like a friendly chat <laughs> which also is nice but it's most important to focus and to have clarity and to encourage the the clients to to take the action so now what i'm doing i've discovered that I'm an introvert. So I, I knew that a long time. But then I realized, oh my God, a lot of introverts were more or less in the same boat with at times we struggle with speaking on camera, even on the microphone, hearing <laughs> our own voices. Oh my God, it's cringy. <laughs> um, and then once I got more comfortable, of course, doing a lot of networking events and which was hard to go into a room full of people that I didn't know and starting up a conversation that was like whew, edgy. But I knew that I wanted to build, build the business. So I just stretched my comfort zone and got better at it. And I really enjoyed it at some point. <laughs> so helping other introverts go through this change, through this understanding, building the confidence in themselves and speaking out their their thoughts because like we're so in, so like we're so interesting people <laughs> if somebody can take a peek in our minds like it's like oh my god it's amazing and then at times when we want to communicate that it doesn't come across as the way we intended it to be so that's where my curiosity was. It's like, hmm, is this applying to me? Yes, it does. I've observed that in my, my way of speaking, in my way of communicating. And slowly, I've kind of improved that to be okay to stumble on my words, to be okay to just have fun on, like if we're on the camera or in front of people. Because when we light up, we can relax and then we can communicate better yeah so that's why i want to help other introverts i think i think you said something interesting about communicating in a certain way like you might want to say something but it's not 
it didn't come across in, as the way you intended. So in the early days, did you feel you were sometimes misunderstood or maybe what, what, were, the, what were you feeling at the time? So I would get red in my face <laughs> if we start there, like people would see my emotions on my face. And I, when I was a kid, I didn't like that at all. I had a big issue with that. And then I discovered detective stories where you, you can learn about poker face and how that detective had to conceal his emotions so that they can catch the bad guys, right? Like a police detective. And so that fascinated me. I was like, oh, that if that person can do it, I can do it as well. So that's like, it was like an early development for me to understand how my emotions can build up. But then what happened at one point, I've built walls, like huge walls. So nothing good, nothing bad could affect me. But what, when I did that, it was, it kept me from enjoying life. Mm. Until maybe 20-ish, when I had my first love, of course, where my walls broke down. <laughs> and when that happened, because I didn't have an example of how to manage everything, all the emotions came rushing in, good and bad. So grief, sadness, anxiety, depression, everything came back at once. I didn't have, I didn't know how to, to deal with that. So fast forward with communication is most of the time I've stumbled through words and I, I've judged myself so hard for that. Like super hard, like, ah, you know, the chatter in our minds, most of us, we have it. Um, and uh, through coaching and through reaching out for help and being willing to, to ask for help. That's how I've managed to, there was one, uh, one of my friends, she's another amazing coach, Laura Long, and she helped me with uh, one session of uh, EFT, uh, Emotional Freedom Technique, I believe is the, the terminology. So I've released some of those blockages because my heart is so big, right? But I kept it hidden. And what that exercise allowed me to do is to be okay to be seen, to be okay to stumble towards. <laughs> and do you think um, you said something important about you being quite very critical of yourself? And is do you think that's one of the main things that affect people's confidence is if I say this, uh, how will people perceive me? Like having, you know, being super critical of just trying to communicate or like say what they're trying to say. For sure, because we have the, um, the emotional response that actually is so normal. Now we have like our palms are sweating. Even now, like my, my palms are sweaty, like I have a bit of sweat and it's like... A, uh, it's a weird feeling. And if we don't know that is normal, that is natural to happen, we might think that something is wrong with us or why this is happening to, to me? Why cannot get, I cannot get my words clear? So it's a process of understanding and it takes a lot of compassion and kindness to yourself and also people that are willing to speak up and sharing their experience 
and normalizing this because otherwise how will we know we won't nobody yeah. can read minds <laughs> that's very true that's <laughs> that's very true and i think that's a very good point um especially talking about you know those emotional blocks and how they do hinder you from you know building that confidence and like you i think said being willing to like put yourself out of your comfort zone take those steps to start moving towards you know that new the new version of yourself that you're trying to be i totally totally agree with that um i wanted to come back to you because i when i was looking at your profile you said something about inner peace and i actually heard uh, your podcast episodes surrounding that and you said back in 2018 so that <clears throat> would mean you've been coaching for a few years so and one thing i think about with like coaching with therapists is that we all we're all humans at the end of the day which i understand but we also those like people like yourself and like therapists and so on they have the tools usually to address things like that right so how was what was going on in 2018 that you realized that even with the tools you had you're just going through a phase in life that you that inner peace wasn't there that inner peace wasn't missing you weren't very comfortable could you walk us through like how was that experience and why did it become such a priority so i realized um as i said in the beginning with coaching you don't know your niche you don't know you're just trying things out and see if they're working and uh, even though from the outside you might look very successful from within there is a conflict uh, you're putting something out there no results or not as fast as you've been promised right because there is a lot of glamour around so so many careers and especially with coaching uh, it looks like a glamorous career at first and then there's some disappointment that happens because you don't know the reality and not being trained as a marketing professional, not being trained as a salesperson, those skills I was missing. But even though I, I was very glad to, to learn and to try things out, I, I still felt that I wasn't doing enough and I was working all the time and not having clear boundaries with my work time. I was working on weekends. I was working when the inspiration came. And, but still I had a lot of inner critics in my head, but I realized at that time, 2018, that the business didn't take off. And um, I realized at some point, you know what, I'm my worst boss ever. Because I was so tough on myself, no rewards, no acknowledgements, no celebration, like super bad boss, right? <laughs> And that's where it hit me. I was like, well, I, I either I quit or I change something. And even though I wanted to quit, you know, and I, to be honest, I applied to different jobs, you know, in the field of personal development, leadership development, just to see if I get hired or not. But then this coaching, once you start doing it and it's matching your personality and your, your character, doesn't want to go away <laughs> so that's when I had a friend I knew him uh, for maybe two or three years and we were more or less in the same coaching communities I, I knew his uh, professional development the training uh, the trainings he has taken so I had um, I trusted him so I've reached out to him and I said okay can you help me with this 
after a few sessions, we have agreed to, to work together. But it was like my main focus, inner peace, definitely. And most importantly, to get in touch with my wisdom. Because most of the time we hear the messages from outside and, you know, the shiny objects, they're so shiny. Um, we kind of chase them. So my main focus was inner peace paired with my wisdom to be able to quiet my mind, quiet my thoughts, to listen to myself. So then I can make the decisions that seem good for me. Yeah. And I think something you mentioned that was very very interesting about that you trusted the coach that you worked with you had that trust and we're coming back to the inner peace in a sec but for like from a coaching perspective if someone wants to work with a coach how important is that factor that you trust your coach because i think if you if a coach if you don't i think if you don't connect with a coach on a personal level no matter how good my tools the tools i have i can help you with are it's just you're not going to get the results that you that you truly want would you agree it's very important to trust the person that you're speaking with and um otherwise you're not going to ask for the help that you actually need and yeah. because coaching is, is still a new profession even though it's been for so many years most people don't understand the dynamics. They come to the coach saying like, um, you guide me, you tell me what to do, where is more is like asking, revealing the answer that the, the client, that's why my main focus was to quiet my mind so that I could listen my wisdom, not my mm -hmm. coach's wisdom. And so I knew very clear what, what I wanted out of that coaching um, conversation. Yeah. Okay, no, that makes perfect sense. And something you said that I, that I think a lot of people go through is, on the outside everything can look great, but like you said correctly, on the inside it could be you know just confusion and you know sadness, anger, depression. All these things could be bottled up inside, but you know from the outside everything looks fine. So for you to go on that journey to really start to understand like what's going on like inside. I think it's something that I always recommend people to like do and whatever, however you want to do it with therapy, with coaching, whatever you think is the best way for you to start understanding what's going on, I think is super useful. And you worked with the coach for a couple of months. And um, would you say, how did you feel at the end of it? Did you say, would you say you achieved the goal of like truly having inner peace? Or do you think inner peace is something that it's not a destination, but it's kind of like a journey that you 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 find it, but then you have to like work at like maintaining it. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. So like before I answer that question, another thing that I want to mention here is for an introvert or for most people asking for help. It's so vulnerable. It's so hard to do. So I was just patting myself on the back for the courage I took to to reach out. Even though I'm working in the in this field of personal development, professional development, it's still hard at times to ask for help and to be so vulnerable, so open to bear your heart uh, to another person to witness you. So to acknowledge that it's not an easy task to do that. Mm. And for the inner peace part, that's where I was a bit confused because like mentally I understood that. So it was middle of 2019 now. 
mentally I understood my thoughts process, my, my wisdom was clear to me. And I had those shifts, the mood shifts that were like really puzzling what's happening. And even on that, that podcast episode, by chance, um, I got an invitation to do a vitamin D test. And that's how I've learned that my vitamin D levels were very, very low. And actually, that was one of the causes of my mood shifts. And uh, because the, the deficiency was so severe, my doctor put me on injections, not the pills, because the pills take a long, longer time to absorb. So because of that, I felt, because of the injections, I felt the shift. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy to be honest because first of all there was like a clear answer of what was happening it was like oh it's not only in my head right so I was lucky in that respect that I could have a diagnostic because a lot of people might not get to that clarity right yeah and after the treatment I started getting better and um What can I say? I recommend everybody who's um, shifting mood so fast because one second I was, I was fine. And the next one I was like so sad. Yeah. And I felt everything because I'm also like feeling everything at a higher intensity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, was, I think that's a very good point because I actually had a doctor on the podcast recently and she mentioned exactly what you had, which is a vitamin D deficiency. And growing up, like I knew a lot of people have, like growing up, I've heard my friends, they've had deficiencies and so on, but I never knew, cause she, the way she explained it as well, I never knew how, how many people were deficient, if not majority are, which I was very surprised at, especially that we live in Dubai and it's like sun everywhere. And, but how much that has a genuine effect on like your emotions and how you think and like all that kind of stuff. And one thing you said that I think is probably the most important thing is you found the answer. You had clarity on this is why this is happening. And I think when people are like trying to develop and grow, they sometimes might reach a point, myself included, I've been there before that, you reach a point that I'm doing all the right things, but I there's something that's still affecting me and I don't know why. And that is the biggest, I think, frustration for a lot of people. So how would you start what advice would you give someone to start figuring out what is that like question mark? How do we start answering those questions? I don't think there is a clear answer with that. It's just trying a different approach and experimenting, trusting the, the advice you receive from professionals like doctors that they, they can recommend something based on science and, but also to trust yourself to to see what's coming up for you and then you take it one day at a time it's important too because like one part of my uh, the framework that i let's say created <laughs> for inner peace because for me coming with from the logical perspective inner peace is can be abstract so what I had a question, what can make it easier for people to relate to and to have some practical steps to take action, right? Yeah. 
And for me, the ABC was agreements, boundaries, conversations. So the agreements are when we understand our needs, we understand ourselves, and then we can speak out loud that. And uh, if we are in a relationship or at work, we create clear agreements with the other person, understanding what their needs are, what their wants, and together having that understanding that this is our goal. Let's see how we can work together to achieve it. And then the boundaries are very important for inner peace because most of us, we are not taught as kids how to create strong boundaries and how to keep them, mm. how to teach others, how to keep the boundaries. Because like in the end of the day, what are the relationships? We're, we're pushing our boundaries all the time to see what's, what's okay, what's not okay. When the other person reacts, well, we know that's the boundary. <laughs> So it's important to have that self-awareness, to get curious, to see what's actually a non-negotiable for me. Mm. Are specific words a non-negotiable for you? Like for me, the vocabulary that I'm using is very, I mean, there are certain words I don't allow. I don't use them with myself and I don't allow others. And if they cross the boundary, I gently ask them for not repeating it a second time, right? Because mm. how would they know? They wouldn't, unless I'm the one brave and courageous to, to communicate that boundary. And then there was one more part, the C. The conversations. The conversations, yes. okay. With, with conversation, it's just like noticing which conversations are draining you and which are energizing. So energizing is like what we're having now. <laughs> Very fun, interesting conversation. We, yeah. we feel the energy bubbling. And the draining ones might be those where there's some gossip involved. There's some drama, nagging, ranting. And of course, if we want to respect the other person's boundary, we can create an agreement saying, let's, let's take five minutes to rant, vent, whatever you need to release that buildup of energy because we don't want to dismiss it like positives or like uh, being happy all the time or not acknowledging the even the hard feelings yeah. that we might experience. So we can allow, create a container for that, but maybe five, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, which is a bit pushing, but let's say 15 in the middle, right? <laughs> And then you know that you are receiving that without letting it affecting you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then you shift the conversation. Okay, we've released that. Let's focus on creating some solution for that problem. Mm. And then we're going to get into an energizing conversation. <laughs> for sure. Um, I really like that. I really like that framework. It's very simple, very easy to understand. And I think the three elements play perfectly together because setting the boundaries, like you said, is super important, but you also, but we need to know, like you correctly said, what do I need? What do you need? What are, I think it's, what are the expect, what are our expectations of each other? That's, I think, super important to understand. And then from there, you can start setting the boundaries based on that. And then a conversation comes after. I think that's a really, really good framework. Um, and especially at work, because I, th I think work is a place where it might be one of the places that is probably very difficult to 
set boundaries, especially not maybe in the people that you're working with that are on your level, but like with higher level people and how like they would talk to you and how they might, you know, say things sometimes that, you know, you might not be comfortable with. So how do you, what advice would you give to someone like in a working environment and applying that framework to someone that's probably higher up than them? How do you start doing it with them? Because that might be a bit more tricky. Well, keeping the tone definitely polite and diplomatic, it's always helping. And stating your intentions that you want to do this exercise for the purpose of bettering the, the relationship, to creating value for the company. So framing it in this context, the other person can relax and can take in your message, right? Because we, if we get defensive, our brain shuts down. <laughs> we don't hear anything else because we're there to, to defend ourselves. So having that context and... Um, I found it because I've um, did this exercise with the company at like the highest level. And when you're just like the one facilitating the conversation is open, is like, you know, this is, we're human beings in the end of the day, we might not know these things. So we're here to create something positive for the company. And it was so surprising, I mean, not surprising, but it was nice to hear that when people hear, uh, heard each other's boundaries and the agreements, they were more willing to, to help each other do that together mm. as a team. So that was like having a facilitator uh, or even having this recording playback uh, <laughs> to guide the conversation. Why yeah. not? And I think what you said is very interesting about the the feedback that you got when you ran you know those kind of workshops and so on with companies and the i guess the awareness that between people you i think doing that exercise you start to understand each other more like oh i didn't know you're you think like this i didn't know that was a boundary for you i didn't know you know i don't know maybe i was affecting you negatively but i had no idea so i think that's a really useful exercise that and I think in any relationship, that exercise is very applicable because, you know, romantic, friendship, whatever, because sometimes it's very easy for the lines to be blurred and things to be crossed. So that just makes it very, like, structured and very easy to follow. So I think it's awesome. I think it's a great framework. Um, I wanted to come on to the, the whole career aspect of your coaching and the career coaching itself. Given now, as as you know, and as we were talking earlier, like COVID has affected like everyone in people have lost jobs and so on. And everyone right now is in a space that there's a high demand for jobs, but there's the supply is very low. So what advice? I don't know if you worked with clients during this period in terms like specifically focusing on the career aspect. But what advice would you give people to start? Like move, looking forward, how would you advise them to start looking? What are the kind of things they should be thinking about that might help them maybe get that next job or make that career change? Definitely interview skills and um, like the sales skills, marketing skills. So those things like there are so many YouTube videos on these topics, like good with good advice, <laughs> not yeah. a fluffy one where it's like repeating the same things, but, but solid advice. And uh, to practice those skills and to get even it might be a different career and sales doesn't have anything to do with it. Learning how to do that effectively and asking questions, 
and understanding the other person's perspective, what they're actually looking to see if there's a match. In the end of the day, we want to have a good match when we hire somebody. We want to make sure, and most of the time we do the due diligence to, to check up their, their backstory to see if they're, they have a good reputation because now we're identifying our company's reputation with the other person. So all of this needs to be understood. So that's why profiles are important, like the social profiles are very important. What you put out there, it's like part of who you are. Yeah. And it stays there. And people, companies might look um, into that. So it's important to, to take the responsibility and to being um, aware of what you're posting. Is it contributing? Is this like creating mm. a conversation that is engaging even online, right? Yeah. Not a draining one. We can apply the ABC there as well, right? <laughs> And um, if they lost the job to grief, because most of the time we don't give ourselves the time, the space to grieve, we push through it, but those emotions are so strong. So we need to, to process them, to feel them. Yeah. We might not feel certain feelings because we think we might break if we feel them so intensely. Yeah. And then what i've learned through my experience and from other people my coaches my clients our hearts can hold a lot of emotions and a lot of feelings so we are resilient and um yeah i don't know if i've answered <laughs> no i think uh what you said is very interesting in particular about developing like skills, like the three things you said to talk about, which is developing your interviewing skills, sales and marketing. Those three things apply to any job, any company, anywhere. So not necessarily that you have to be in those roles, but having the understanding of um, a deeper understanding of those three, because the interview one is what's going to get you in the door. That's what's going to help you potentially get a job. So and knowing how to answer questions and but the three of them, what I like about them is that they're 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 kind of like soft skills. You know, it's not it's not very they're not it is technical, yes, but on if we're just looking high level, they're soft skills. And that's, you know, selling yourself, how to market yourself, like you said, like how to market it online. So I think it's very very good advice to focus on on those three areas. Um from working with your clients, what is in a career like sense, I think you said something that's very interesting about the grief. And the question then becomes, because I think if I tell you, yes, you need to grieve, fine. But then what's the time limit on that? Do you understand what I mean? Because you can only like, the, it gets to a point that it's no longer productive for you to continue feeling this way because it's stopping you from, you know, moving on to whatever's next. So what would you say about that? And it might be a misconception with that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because we think that grief has a time limit or we need to set up some time there. That might be true. And there might be the perspective that when we feel it deeply, it shifts. It doesn't say as intense. And then once we've allowed to process that feeling deeply, it will naturally shift. Of course, if there are no other chemical imbalances in the body, like with the vitamin D or some other issues that might be in the body, 
that will keep us in that. But most of the time, all the feelings, we feel them and they, they're not there to stay with us. That's the way we process the feelings if we allow them to be and to feel them. Because yeah. that's the tricky part. Most of the times we don't give ourselves permission to feel them fully because we might think we we will get stuck. Okay, ah, I see what you mean. Okay, that's interesting. That's I see why where the misconception comes from. I understand what you're saying. But a lot of people say this, and you've said it a couple of times today, which is to really like fully feel an emotion because that's how you either get rid of it or you like you said you shift it as well. But what I've never asked someone, what does that truly mean? Because I've, you know, in my experience, I've felt strong emotions and I'll feel them. But then it gets to a point that like the brain, your logical brain kicks in or like the other part of you kicks in and kind of like stops it. It's like, you know, okay, you felt it and now like move on. So how do you, I guess, how do you really feel it? You know, I've never understood what that, that really, that truly means. So there I would look and with your permission, I might ask this, would that be okay? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so I, I would ask like, who's that voice? Who has that voice in your mind that is asking you like, now it's time to move on because it's not your natural voice. I don't believe that. Maybe at some point and going back to childhood, there's somebody who observed you in that state and didn't allow for the, the emotion or for the feeling to be fully developed in you. Mm. Mm. So then you took that as the process. And for many of us, we do that and we believe that's our own voice. Okay, interesting. So you're saying that that voice that you're talking about that tells us or maybe prevents us from feeling that emotion and to just like like you feel it, but not maybe fully feel it and just like move on. Might not necessarily be like our voice, but has something we've learned given our experiences in life and the people, what people have told us like as we, you know, throughout our life. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's interesting. I never thought of it like that because I always thought I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's my voice, but maybe not. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I guess I have to dig a little like bit deeper. That's like a deeper exercise you do in private with yeah. your therapist, your counselor. So... Yeah. We will not be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I wanted to ask for your permission before. Of I course. Shared. No, of course. Of course. And I, I appreciate it. But I'm an open book. So, you know, please ask away. Anything is fine with me. Um, I wanted to come on to still in like the in the career aspect. I saw something that you do, which I thought was very interesting, which is negotiation and conflict resolution workshops. Now. I read a book. I don't know if you've read this book. You might have since I know you like you love to read. It's called uh, Never Split the Difference by a guy called Chris Voss. I don't know if you're familiar with, with him. Yeah. And that blew my mind. And I took his master class like about negotiation and like the science behind it. But I don't think a lot of people know are are aware of it or are actually like practicing it. So what is the advice that you give to people typically about when you're entering a negotiation? What are the kind of things that you need to be thinking of? How do you resolve the conflict or like neutralize like any negative emotions that might be involved in that discussion? Well, usually it starts with self-awareness to understand what you're looking for. Um, and then curiosity to understand what the other person is looking for and then creating that agreement. 
you know, in the end of the day, it's still the ABC. <laughs> okay, okay. But like, it's, it's important to come into the negotiation assuming best intentions, right? Mm. And then to ponder, get curious, ask what are your concerns about this? How can we can how can we create an agreement that works both for you, works both for me? So then we're happy at the end of the, the conversation. Yeah. Because then we're, we're coming with that forceful stance. The other person will get defensive. Of course, it's a natural process, right? Yeah, because it goes, when you come in like that, I guess you come in with, if you come in too like, aggressive, it's like, I want to win and I want you to lose. And that's not what negotiation is, right? It's for, uh, we both want, we, it's a collaboration and we both want to win together. And that's where like the compromise has to come in as well. Yeah. And I wouldn't say it as a compromise. I would say like, really creating a clear agreement that works for both people and both people can agree to it. Finding the common point, saying like what's, like an example, because I've learned about this uh, distinction agreement versus expectations from Steve Chandler. He's another coach, brilliant coach. He've, he's written so, so many books. And um, his, he was talking about an example saying at the factory, they had a deadline and the company was promising to the clients the results by Friday, but then they couldn't deliver it and the clients were angry. And of course, you know how that happens. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he went into to help them out with this, the, the coach, he went uh, out to help them. He asked, well, what's your agreement with the people creating this product? It was like, what? <laughs> it was like, they need to deliver it by Friday. That's what I've promised to my client. Yeah. And he was like, okay, let's bring the other person. And then he asked, are you able to deliver this by Friday? Well, with the resources that I have, no. But then with these resources, when can you deliver? Um, Tuesday. Okay, is that okay for you asking the boss? No, I still want it on Friday. Okay, then what do you need? Well, I will need two, three more men. Okay. So now we have a clear agreement. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. So it's, yeah, like, like you said correctly, it's, it's, almost, it's just about, I think, like, like making it clear and what are, the, what are the options that we have to make this happen? Like you said, you know, we need more resources. Maybe I need a bit more time. Maybe I need some other people to help me out with this. So just understanding what are the ways that we can work together that we're both you know comfortable with but you need to understand what else you have to look at explore those other options it's not just oh i can't do it or it's not possible yeah i think that's really good advice i think that's super interesting because i never considered the resource aspect uh the resource aspect before um i wanted to come on to the i know you've been also working with uh hogan assessments i did i say that right yeah and i look i took a look at their stuff and it's interesting so Actually, maybe it's better if you just explain to us what, what they do and how's your experience been with them. And then uh, we'll take a, like, a follow up from there. So I did my certification in March, April this year uh, to the invitation of one of my colleagues that I'm working. The company is called Anduv. 
And the invitation was to create a training where we can um, look at the safety profile that each person has in a specific field. Let's say if you're working uh, in a safety related, like a nurse, you would want somebody where their safety profile is higher because they will stick to the procedures, they will follow the rules, they will comply, and they will keep things safe. In the end of the day, that is the main focus of the specific company or hospital that is employing the, the nurses. And it's very interesting, Hogan has been on the market for so many years, 30, I think 35 years or 30. And they did a lot of research into personality and pinpointing because they're working with um, people that uh, have jobs and they've analyzing based on their reputation, how other people are perceiving them. So it's very interesting when you just take the questionnaire uh, to, to see your profile, it might be a leadership profile to understand your strengths, your weaknesses, to see your motivations, what you're passionate about, all of these things that can be revealed in the, in the test. And I had to take it as that the, was the certification process. I was fascinated by the, the results I got. I was like, oh my God, like reading the mind, what's, what's happening there? So I built the trust in it. And when we did the training online and uh, we did the feedback sessions, is so accurate. People like, it's like, how can you tell that from just this assessment? And you can really see into my, my soul. Mm. It's good that you can match the job with the person. Otherwise, you might, again, you get disappointed. You have certain expectations. You might get anxiety. How do you manage anxiety? Well, if you're looking at specific profiles, it can tell. Like in my profile, actually, my um, adaptability is very high and social skills are very high. So from the outside, I look like I'm very calm, I'm very peaceful, which I am. But at times I get super anxious. So that was revealed to me in the, in the test that I took and the, that specific with the safety uh, profile. And understanding that, so imagine that you are not aware that by design, you are a bit more anxious. And then you struggle with that because you might blame yourself or you judge yourself. It's like, why do I have this weakness? Yeah. Right. Mm. But then you look at it and you see, oh, wait a second. Now that I know that now that I have the awareness, that's just part of my design. I can st take steps to minimize the anxiety, creating boundaries, or in my case was because I get overwhelmed where I receive a lot of information that is not clear, organized, logical. So it takes me a while to process. Mm. But until then, I get anxious. <laughs> now that I know, when I'm receiving information that is like that, complex, but not structured, not organized, I can take a deep breath and I can start organizing myself because I'm now I'm clear yeah that i can organize yeah one thing what i liked about what you said or like these kind of tests um 
I like the fact that it might, like in your case, show you maybe something you're not aware of, like a blind spot you might have, like, uh, for example, the anxiousness that you were talking about in your case. So I like those tests from that perspective, and I think they can be accurate. But one thing I've always, you know, been opposed to is if a company like if a company uses that to determine whether I'm, you know, I'm good for this job, because I think no matter what a test says, no matter how accurate it is, I think there's still a person's a person. They're unique in a certain they're unique. And I don't think that's a fair representation of a person. So I always like for any any in the past, if there was a job that I was applying to and there was like a test before it, I just wouldn't apply because I'm like, you're already give meet me. And then unless it's something quite technical, I get it. You know, of course, you're going to need those specific technical skills, which makes sense. But at the end of the day, like you said, we're people that are trying to hire people. So it's like you need to meet me to really make that decision. A test shouldn't be what determines whether I even get the opportunity for, for you to meet me. So what do you think about that? Do you think it's unfair? Do you think in your experience, has it been more like positive than negative? Or what would you say? Most of these tests are and the interpretations are done by people certified. So the HR, if they need to do the test, they will have somebody uh, certified and capable to understand the facets. Because even if you get the report, and sometimes the report can be 20 pages long, even longer than that. So it's very in-depth based on the research and on science. But what the interpreter does, the certified person, can match that with their understanding of how human beings work. So the selection part there happens by a certified person who's capable to see the differences of course, if it's like with the safety, you wouldn't hire somebody based on their personality that is not safe for that role. Yeah. If safety is so important. So it makes sense. Maybe they are great at sales. So there are certain uh, jobs where the safety profile, if we're talking now only on the safety side, where safety might not be such an issue because you need to be creative. You need to be uh, push a bit the boundaries, right? So different jobs have different requirements. That's why Hogan is so specialized and working with so many companies. They tailor their, their um, or any reports or any feedback they're giving, they're really tailoring to that specific company. Yeah. I think um, what you said makes, the, makes a, a lot of sense about the, I think the job requirements or what that job needs will determine how maybe effective something like that is. Because like, like I said, something very technical or something very like specific, like safety, like in the example that you're talking about, you need to have a person that has that. You know, you, you can't, no matter how what the other skills are, and there might be great skills, it's not putting a person down, but for that, it's something very specific and that's what it needs. That's the kind of character, that's the kind of personality it needs. So... I think that's a very good point, and I didn't consider I didn't consider the flip side. So that's very interesting. So thank you. I didn't know about that before. And then of course they will have the interview face to face to understand the nuances of the person and to mm. see if this is the job for them, right? If they are coming for an admin, but they will be great at sales, they might be offering them the other position. 
Yeah, if yeah. they have the flexibility, of course. I'm in my in my world. That would be the ideal scenario. <laughs> Everything is possible. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I think it's a nice way to look at it. It's a great tool for self awareness, and they have the Hogan Development Survey, which talks about your dark side of the personality. So what that means is overused strengths that in times of when you're fatigued, where you're tired, you're stressed, too much information coming at you, that's where you you react instead of respond, right? Mm. So it's great as a personal, like especially in leadership roles, create awareness to work on those uh, overused strengths that can affect your reputation, can affect the way people are seeing you. So then you can take steps to minimize. You can learn how to become aware of how they are taking control of you sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the the part you said about the showing you the other side, like what comes out, how do you react when you're in those kind of situations, like when you're tired and so on, because I think that also says or shows you, like you said, an awareness about your personality and like, how you think and so on that you probably didn't know about before. So I think that part is really, really interesting. I think that it'd be so cool to do something like that. Um, I wanted to move on to your podcast. So tell us what was the motivation behind it? Uh, what's your vision for it? And how's the experience been so far? So the podcast is called Breaking the Glamour. And as I said, with the coaching career, some jobs look so glamorous <laughs> from the outside. And then you come with false expectations or not false expectations, like legit expectations, because that's the image that has been sold to you. And so my, my curiosity was to, to have guests that are experienced professionals 10 plus years in the field to come and have an honest conversations to to inform us about the realities and to break the glamour <laughs> because we want to make informed decisions right if you are better prepared to face the challenge that might come in the first year of your career then it's a different approach that you will have you will come prepared you will not have so many disappointments yeah and that's that's why I started the, the podcast. <laughs> and how's the experience been so far? Have you been enjoying it? Have you been is it was it was podcasting what you because listening to podcasts is one thing, but when you start your own, it's you learn a lot more about like what a podcast actually is and the experience. So was it what you thought it would be, or did it kind of were you like a little bit surprised actually when you're the one who's like running the show? I didn't have many expectations with the podcast and I wasn't listening to so many podcasts. Um, maybe Brené Brown and a bunch of those. Uh, Building a Story Brand, there's another good one. So for me, it was just, I'm going to have a conversation on Zoom and then I'll see where that goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, I prepared so because I, I, I had a very specific vision. So I, I knew clearly what were the questions that I wanted to ask every guest to keep like a format that is consistent, first of all, for myself, right? I didn't want to make things very hard for me. 
and then to create something that I could send to the other person that they will ease up into the conversation. Because you know, it's, it's weird to be on camera, as I said, and to, to record your voice. And um, I'm having a lot of fun during those recordings and um, I'm learning so much. Yeah, I think, like you said, uh, so funny you're talking about you being on camera and the vo like the voice. Even when I started the podcast, I was like, oh, no, people are going to hear me like this is going to go out. And then I recently added the video as well. So that was just like a whole nother like <laughs> layer to it. But like you said, uh, you said, like you said, you learned so much. And that's what I've had in my experience. And even from today, I've really learned so much from our conversation, Anna. And I wanted to thank you for coming on the show and your time. And like you, I have one question that I ask all my guests. Uh, so what is the message that you'd like people to take home with them today? That um, we are all human beings and then we might experience things like emotions, feelings that might seem weird in the body, but most of them are normal. So understanding how our body works getting curious, understanding, is this my voice? Is this a borrowed voice with kindness, with compassion, slowly letting go of the judgment that we have in our minds. So, cause we're human beings, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's a beautiful message, Anna. And I think everyone, myself included, can relate to that so many points in that on so many different levels so thank you so much for coming on the show and your time i've absolutely loved this conversation and to everyone listening guys thank you so much i really appreciate it and as always hope it helps peace <laughs>